It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And we're back with another episode of Decal Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Communities across Georgia who are interested in promoting high-quality early childhood care and education are applying for three separate community impact grant opportunities from DECAL. Funding for these grants was made possible by the $11.2 million Preschool Development Renewal Grant that Georgia received in January 2020 from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the U.S. Department of Education. And Commissioner, we are very excited about the innovative projects being proposed all across the state. We definitely are. Um, and I think, you know, as a state agency, there's a lot we can do to influence policy. Um, but I think it's so important for us to also um, support what's happening at the local community level. And these grants are going to do just that. You know, I always say there is nothing more grassroots than early childhood education. I mean, it starts at home. And then right there in your community with child care providers, our schools, uh, so many involved in the process, community partners that we're identifying day by day. And uh, so this is an exciting opportunity to bring all of those folks together. Joining us to talk about the Community Impact Grants is Dr. Bentley Ponder, Deputy Commissioner for Quality Innovations and Partnerships, or QUIP, as you'll hear us call it. Laura Wagner is Community Outreach and Partnerships Director. And Jill O'Meara is Community Partnerships and Project Manager. Folks, great to see you, first of all. Welcome back to the podcast. Excited to be here. So Bentley, let's start with you. What is the, give us the big idea behind offering these, uh, these grant opportunities here in Georgia. Sure. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that go that go into these, but one with this opportunity, we wanted to, first of all, do more to support programs at the community level. So, uh, you know, as someone who gets really kind of wonky about policy, I'm fascinated by that different levels of federal to state to local. And obviously we work at the state level, but we know that so much innovation goes on at the local level. And I think this is a great way for the state to support that. Uh, the other, you know, kind of another purpose is how do we, you know, support collaboration? So we know at DECAL how important collaboration is. We do a lot of that and we know that that happens at the local level. And can we be, you know, an agency, can we be a conduit to help at, you know, with that collaboration? And then, you know, uh, so much of this is built on our needs assessment that was conducted as part of our preschool initial development grant. And we see that there's a lot of needs out there. So at the bottom line, this is just another way that we can continue to support children and families, not only during the pandemic and hopefully the recovery, but just in general, because these grants will go on for the next couple of years. Well, there are actually three types of these community impact grants. So let's talk about each three. Uh, Laura, I'll start with you. Um, I know Tujin is a big passion for you. It is um, mine too. Can you tell us about the Tujin innovation grants that are part of this opportunity? How much can communities expect to receive and what are you excited about with these grants? Absolutely. I've been so proud to have been part of the 2Gen Georgia work that DECAL leads. Um, 
uh, it's been a wonderful experience to, to see the growth of um, practice in the local communities that have been funded over the last few years. Um, we've actually made these grant opportunities available since 2018 by leveraging different public and private funding streams. And overall, there are um, two primary goals of these two-gen innovation grants. The first is to connect parents who are pursuing workforce training or post-secondary education with childcare and family supports. And also connecting parents with young children in childcare with workforce training and post-secondary education. So the goal really is to connect um, the two systems of higher ed and workforce training to, to childcare. Um, there are two types of these two-gen innovation grants. The first is our capacity building um, grant opportunity, and those are funded at $10,000 each per community, and also implementation funding, uh, funded at $25,000 each per community. And just like Bentley said, I think what makes me so excited is seeing um, this, the state to local connection and seeing the innovation that comes out of these particular grants. We have seen things like needs assessments um, taking place in communities where there's capacity building going on. Um, and we've seen other really neat networking um, happening amongst um, partners that have not typically worked together. And for our implementation partners, we've seen really um, really interesting practices as well. Um, we've seen family engagement projects take shape. We've seen um, college-wide professional development for faculty on how to best support student parents. We've also seen partners create developmentally appropriate learning kits for students, um, for children of student parents um, to use while their, their parents are enrolled in classes. And so it's, it's these kinds of local uh, practices that take shape that make me most excited. Well, Jill, I know that the trauma-responsive grants are a big passion for you. So tell us about those. Yes, thank you, Commissioner Jacobs. So living in a pandemic has either created or most likely elevated emotional trauma for so many families across the state. And for me, I'm excited about these grants giving hope to families in small or even in large ways, um, that communities will have a new opportunity to be creative and collaborate with other organizations to design projects that strengthen local supports and services for the birth to five population across the state. Um, Reg, I'm counting on you to keep tally of how many times we say collaboration <laughs> in this <laughs> podcast, because it's a very important piece uh, as a main focus for these grants. Um, and, and I'm sure that you all know that this is the second round of trauma-related grants that DECALs offer to local communities. In 2019, as part of our preschool development grant, planning grant, we offered our first non-competitive round to six early learning leadership collaboratives, or we call those ELLCs. And their projects were focused around trauma-informed strategies. Those communities were Baldwin, Bartow, Cook, Elbert, Evans, and Troop. We had one of those in each of DECAL's um, six administrative regions. Now, these grants did help us to learn a lot about what makes this type of work successful at the community level. 
So for this next cycle, funding cycle of 2021-2022, uh, these competitive grants come with a new name and a new focus around trauma-responsive care. With this grant, DECAL will be providing tools for each of the, which we hope to have up to nine communities that are awarded. And we, DECAL will be providing trauma-informed tools for this grant opportunity. But for this one, we wanna make sure that the interested applicants are focusing their efforts around becoming trauma-responsive. Uh, for this grant, it may be important to know the difference because trauma-informed is the first step in building community awareness of trauma and understanding the impact of trauma on the developing brain. And trauma-responsive is taking that knowledge and using it to inform how you respond to or how the communities will serve children and families who have experienced trauma. This grant opportunity is a one-year award up to $10,000. And there are two, two types of organizations that are eligible to apply. And this is the same for the two-generation innovation grants. Could, uh, for an, um, an eligible organization should be a nonprofit with a 501c3 or government entity. And Reg, we know that through emails to our community impact grants at decal.ga.gov, um, and from some phone calls, we've heard from many organizations that do not fall into one of those categories, but they're still interested in applying for this grant. And they could possibly be funded through this grant, but they cannot be the main applicant. They'll need to partner with an eligible organization. And of course, we want communities to be successful. So we're asking interested applicants to do or accomplish three things. One is to build a cross-sector collaborative team. And we're asking people to think about who you'll be bringing to sit at your cross-sector collaborative table, either in person or virtual, and train with you for a set of three virtual trainings and three coaching sessions with our grant partners at Georgia State University. The second objective is to think about what projects will you and your community uh, sorry, in your collaborative team, strategically plan and implement to become a trauma-responsive community? And last, how will you and your collaborative team disseminate those resources? How is the community going to know about the project or the trauma-focused strategies that you've worked so hard to plan for? This is a great opportunity, and we know that there will be Many, many people who have great ideas about how to accomplish these three things to become trauma responsive, but just need the funding to make it happen. So here it is. All right. Okay, we're coming back to you, Laura, on the community transformation grants. But tell us about those. All right. So the transformation grant opportunity is actually brand new for DECAL. And these are intended for networks of local leaders, collaborative groups. There's another mention of collaboration um, to develop community projects that promise to improve access to services for children and families in under-resourced um, and rural communities across the state of Georgia. Communities can be funded for grants of $75,000 each for an 18 month term. This one is different in terms of the length of the term, um, if, if awarded. So the first step for communities to consider um, in terms of applying is uh, to write a letter of interest. 
and uh, leaders from DECAL will be reviewing those letters of interest to select likely 12 or so um, applicants to then complete a formal application um, for our review. We intend to fund six communities for these transformation grant opportunities. Um, I think what is the most exciting thing about these is that they are open-ended by design um, because we recognize that needs vary from community to community as do opportunities and strengths of communities. We know that um, communities have unique needs and we wanna be as responsive as possible. And Laura, I know with the community transformation grants, there are nine focus areas of specific community needs. Can you talk about those? Absolutely, I, I would be glad to talk through those. So the first three areas, um, the first three focus areas focus on access to um, childcare. So those areas are increasing access to high quality early learning programs for infants and toddlers aged six weeks to 36 months. The second focus area aligned with access is uh, targeted toward um, access for dual language learners ages six weeks to kindergarten entry. And the third, along the lines of access to high quality early learning programs, is for children living in rural areas of Georgia. So the fourth focus area is supporting children with persistent challenging behaviors to reduce suspensions and expulsions from early learning programs, because that does unfortunately happen across the state. The next focus area is reducing food insecurity for children aged birth to five and their families. And we know that the pandemic has taken a serious toll on our, uh, our state's economy and our, our national economy. So we understand that this is a, an important focus area as well. The next focus area is coordinating early learning services for children who are in foster care or who are in child protective services. The next is providing mental health services for the birth to five population and their caregivers, also particularly aligned with uh, the pandemic and resulting trauma. And then we are also focused on providing enhanced services to young children related to the early identification and treatment of developmental delays and disabilities. And then lastly, our final focus area is developing a system of care to support children birth to five and their families who are experiencing homelessness. That's very comprehensive. Uh, so yes, I think every community will be able to fit into those. It's going to be hard to narrow that down. Um, so Jill, I feel like I'm asking the obvious question here, but I'm just going to ask it. There seems to be a desire in this initiative to build collaboration among different groups in the community. <laughs> Why is that so important? That is such a great question. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, yes, it is really important for us to emphasize that all of these community impact grants focus on community collaboration. Collaboration that will strength local, strengthen local supports and services for the birth to five population across the state. And when we think about this, this is all across the state from corner to corner in both urban and rural settings. So when I started working here at DECAL six years ago, um, this month, 
Um, as a community coordinator, I can tell you that from pers personal experience and lessons learned that community stakeholders know what is best for their community. They know the history, they know the needs of the community and what resources are needed. Some of them may seem out of reach, but they know what they need. So collaboration is key. Bringing people together who have different perspectives or areas of expertise can certainly result in better ideas. And for these grants, our hope is that out of these collaborative efforts, ideas will spark new projects to improve the outcomes of young children and their families. And speaking of ideas, think of collaboration as a place to share crazy ideas with friends um, and around people that are open-minded and have a desire to be innovative. Whether interested applicants are creating a new collaboration or strengthening an existing one, I always want to encourage individuals to make space for new collaborator, collaborators so that they may not, or think, think about ones they may not always run into. Um, bring in community stakeholders that they haven't worked with in the past. And sometimes you never know, you make it learn something new about your own community. You know, what I love about this is that this is not a state agency coming down with federal dollars with a one size fits all kind of template on how to address early childhood education concerns in your community. This is a state agency saying, tell us what's going on where you are. Tell us what your needs are. Are. You know, how are they different from because we all know that, um, you know, what is uh, an issue in Cedartown is not always an issue in Brunswick or, you know, Columbus or Macon. Um, so this is a great opportunity to hear some very innovative ideas from folks uh, outside our walls and beyond um, and find out what's really needed across the state. Speaking of collaborations, and we have today, uh, Bentley, how are we partnering with GEARS and the Carl Vinson Institute of Government at UGA on these initiatives? Well, I guess I get to rack up another use of the collaborative word. There you go. Uh, so, yes, we're collaborating with uh, UGA, I mean, with yeah, UGA and GEARS. GEARS will be doing the evaluation for our uh, community transformation grants and our 2 innovation grants. And we'll be designing that as those grantees come on board. And then CVIOG at UGA will be providing technical assistance for those community transformation grants. And they'll be providing that TA between the letter of interest and the actual application. And then as they set up their own planning and collaborative plans within those communities. So I think it's gonna be great. We're excited to work with them. They are great partners. So we're collaborating and evaluating. So I'm getting a few words here out of this podcast that we do so often. Okay, so I understand there's a match requirement for each of these grant opportunities. Laura, can you explain a little bit more about how the match works? Sure. So the match requirement here actually allows applicants to increase the number of organizations that are involved in these collaborative efforts, and it also increases the likelihood of program sustainability past the one-year or 18-month term. Um, and so there is a 30% match requirement for each of these uh, grant opportunities. This requirement is also related to the state's required match for the PDG Birth to Five grant. 
So what we would consider in terms of a match primarily would be cash and third-party in-kind contributions. And these in-kind contributions must be well-documented and matches cannot include funds from other federal awards. So we announced these grant opportunities back on February the 1st. And um, Jill, where do things stand now? And uh, I know you guys held some webinars to help groups that are interested better understand everything uh, involved. How are things going? Um, so far, things are going well. Um, yes, Reg, we have worked so hard to put these grant opportunities together. And we were really excited when we were given the green light to announce these grants through a press release on February the 1st. Um, our grant applications are posted on, the, on our website at decal.ga.gov. People can find that by looking under funding opportunities. Um, we have held two webinars, one that provided an in-depth overview of our community impact grants and one with a specific training to build community resilience or to building community resilience to early childhood trauma and how communities could collaborate to develop project plans for the trauma responsive care grants. And you can find those webinars on our website or can always send an email to us at communityimpactgrants at decal.ga.gov. Our timeline, um, if you're applying for the two generation innovation grants or trauma responsive care grants, be sure to submit the, uh, the grant applications by March 1st. For the community transformation grants, the letter of interest is due on March 15th. So Bentley, you and I have talked a lot about these grants, obviously, as your team was um, developing them. And of course, I know you were very excited. I could hear it in your voice as you described them in our last board meeting. And they are very exciting. I think it's an amazing opportunity that DECAL, uh, the state, can offer to communities because I think so much of the work does happen at a community level. And as I look back on DECAL and us really being known as the licensing agency, did you ever think in a million years that DECAL, the licensing agency, also called the state lady, were actually providing grant opportunities to communities, you know, to support the work at the community level and to learn from it? I mean, I think, I think that's pretty amazing. So that's my two cents and opinion on um, these grants and this work and how DECAL has really evolved our support um, for child care access. But what do you hope to achieve from these grants? Well, and I'm going to, you know, follow up on, you know, what you just said, too. When we were writing our very first Race to the Top Early Learning Challenge grant, and or let me say when we wrote the winning application, not the first losing application, but the winning application, and we put in the early education empowerment zones. I mean, this work has a direct line to that, and also our Ascend uh, you know, grant uh, that we that we had a few years ago too. So, I mean, it's just amazing to me to see that evolution. And no, I didn't think that we would be known as the you know as as a local partner as much as we were long known for some of those other pieces you mentioned. Uh, I'm hoping we learn some great things from communities that we can scale up. And I'm just going to speak a little selfishly, uh, and I say this from someone who is so appreciative of all the work we've been able to do from home, and I know it's been a hardship on many people. I can't wait to get back out there. So I'm hoping we hear some exciting, I, mean, I know we will we'll hear some exciting things, and 
whenever we're able to travel again, Commissioner, I know you and I will be like, oh, let's go down and let's see what's going on here. And it'll be great to visit those communities. And I know my friend Jill O'Mara cannot wait to get back out. And I think if I said, hey, Jill, we need you in Dalton tonight, she'd be in that car so quick and <laughs> heading up yes, 75. I <laughs> so I think we're all we're all excited to get get back out there. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I just knowing you, Jill, I can't even imagine you must be really just antsy just to get back in your car and travel the entire state uh, whenever we call upon you. So, um, well, Jill, back to you. So you work with a great group of folks that we call the Early Education Community Coordinators who really connect us at the grassroots level with communities all over Georgia. And I think you were one of the original ones when we called these E3Zs. Um, and we had coordinators at that level. But what's going on with that team now and has the pandemic had an impact on their work? Um, yes, to answer, to, to respond to you, <laughs> yes, I'm getting antsy and ready to go again, <laughs> as are the community coordinators. But here at DECAL, we do have a, a great group of coordinators that do an amazing job connecting with communities all across Georgia. Um, the pandemic has certainly shifted the way we perform our duties, but it's not slowed us down. We're still continuing to be as busy as always. The pandemic did offer an engagement opportunity for us, though, to connect with childcare providers and community partners together, one that we may not have had otherwise. These regional opportunities, which are virtual meetings, um, are called Child Care Engagement Networks, or CCENs, and they're hosted by our community coordinators on a monthly basis. These meetings provide a great support system to our providers by connecting them with other child care providers who may be going through very similar challenges that they are and helping them to find ways to work through those challenges. We continue to, to provide information about programs and services through these virtual meetings and to stay and stay connected to those who are unable to join us or join the community coordinators at the CCENs. And by a, a way of doing that, each coordinator creates a bi-weekly newsletter that is full of resources, great resources. Um, and we have community partners reaching out to us to say, add me to the list. They want, they want to be part of that, um, that newsletter. So it, it's great. It's not only full of resources from DECAL, but from other organizations and regional, organi regional organizations who want their information to be shared across their regions. Secondly, we host, uh, their coordinators host, quarterly birth to eight collaborative meetings. These birth to eight meetings, as you all know, were started back when we had our early education empowerment zones. Now these meetings are very similar to the CCENs, but with a wider variety of community partners who also have a desire to learn more about how they can engage and support the birth to eight population. These meetings serve a dual purpose for us because not only are we sharing information about DECAL, but we have an opportunity to learn more about early learning initiatives that exist throughout the local community and ultimately the state. So we, during those meetings, we welcome leaders to share information um, so that others across the state or their region can replicate that, those, own, those initiatives in their own local community. 
All so right. We're happy. Yeah. Sorry. We're real happy to, um, to talk about those. And um, if anyone wants to be part of one of those meetings, certainly you could email me or you could always send an email to um, community impact grants at decal.ga.gov um, instead of me giving out all of the coordinator emails. So happy to connect you that way. They're a great team. They're all over Georgia. They know their area so well, and uh, they're as unique, I think, as coordinators as their communities are. So uh, it's it's great to be working with them, and they are the face and voice of DECAL uh, out in their uh, areas. So that's uh, terrific. Well, we are out of time for uh, this time around. So much to share. Community impact grant opportunities going on now. You heard Jill uh, say uh, one group of deadline. Uh, one deadline is March the 1st, another coming up on March the 15th. So uh, very little time, but uh, still enough time for you to get involved. And guys, where can they go for more information if they're interested? Yeah. So Reg, in addition to the email address that Jill cited, interested applicants can find all information related to each of these three funding opportunities opportunities on our funding opportunities page on our decal website. And that URL is decal.ga.gov backslash quality initiatives backslash grants dot ASPX. All right. I'm looking at it right now and it's all there for you. So you need to go to the website to get more information. This is really exciting. And uh, Laura, Jill, Bentley, we appreciate you guys being with us. Even more exciting is inviting you back <laughs> to share with us some of the opportunities that I'm thinking maybe we get some of the folks that are chosen for these grants and they, they could be guests as well on the podcast. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank, Thank you so much. Now, a decal download extra. Is your child a great artist, singer, or writer? Well, they could win a $1,529 early start on their college savings plan in a promotion going on now between decal, Georgia's pre-K program, and the Path to College 529 savings plan. It's called the This Is My Life's Dream Challenge. And here to talk about it is our friend Mitch Seabaugh, Executive Director for Path to College 529 Plan. Mitch, welcome back to the podcast. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Reg. I just wish I could sound as good as you. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. Let me, um, let's start by asking you about the idea. I love this. This is my life's dream challenge. Tell us how uh, children and their families can get involved in this. A year ago, we wanted to find a way for families to make the best of their time at home. Uh, we were all kind of cooped up. And so we came up with the My Life's Dream Challenge as a way for families to have a family activity that could be fun, engaging, and additionally could give them the opportunity to show off their creativity that might end up in a prize of $1,529 for their child's college education. Now, the challenge is, is how, however creative they want to be to demonstrate what their child's dream is and what they want to be when they grow up. They can submit that dream in a creative manner they choose, whether it be a song, a video, a photograph, a drawing, a poem, or even an essay. This, is, um, this it could be a project for the child or it could be for the entire family if they wanted to participate. 
good thing about this, this could be a learning opportunity when it comes to taking something and creating a, a, a final product to put out there for others to judge. And it's also a chance for families and children to be as creative as they want to be. So we're looking forward to some real creative entries this year. Yeah, absolutely. I know we're promoting this in Georgia's pre-K program, but what are the, what are the ages uh, for, the, uh, for the promotion? The, our rules are that it's for a family, and that would be for uh, whether it's a, a parent, a grandparent, or even a, a head of household uh, that has a child of 18 years of age or younger that live in Georgia. Okay. And this can be a song. Uh, it could be a poem, an essay, some artwork, really anything describing their life's dream. They can express it in any way they want. How will these entries be judged? Again, like I said, it, Everybody likes to express their creativity in a different way, whether it's in a song or drawing or, or maybe a theatrical presentation on a video. Um, the, the, that's part of the challenge is to let them be creative in, in, in their own individual way. And the judges are going to judge these entries based on the entry's originality. So don't go singing somebody else's song or reading somebody else's poem. And so it's, it's based on originality their adherence to the My Life's Dream theme, and also creativity. Gotcha. And this is the second year uh, that we've done this. What were the entries like last year? Last year was the first year that we did this, so we did not know what we were going to get. And we had some really good winners. We had um, Zora Ellis from Marietta that submitted uh, Touching the Stars drawing, talking about how uh, her ancestors had you know, brought uh, their family name to this point, and now it was her time to reach the stars. So there's going to be a shining light for those who followed her. It was a really, really good um, drawing. And then we had Winona Johnson from Lithonia that uh, had a drawing about wanting to be an, an animator. So she demonstrated what her life's dream was in actually doing an animated drawing. Timothy Washington Jr. from Grayson He's dreaming of being an astronaut. And so they did a video of him sitting there and explaining what it was that he wanted to do as an astronaut and why. Uh, it was very, very, very moving. And then Juliette Lewis from Decatur, she wants to be a meteorologist. And this, this young lady was probably, I don't know, five, six years of age. And here she is on video talking about what, why she wants to be a meteorologist and also what the weather was going to be for like for that day. And <laughs> And she did a, she did a much better job than than um, uh, what the groundhog up in Pennsylvania or even <laughs> here in Georgia did. And and then Ed Berry uh, from uh, Palmetto. This was this was a high school student, and he did his my life's dream in and and basically it was like an essay, like a poem essay, and talking about the kind of a, a man he wanted to grow up into be. So it was it was very good. So we had some very good entries last year and. And I know that uh, there's a lot of creativity we haven't tapped yet. Yeah, that sounds great. And some great ideas uh, for folks that might be listening and uh, considering getting their child involved um, in the contest. We've sent information out to all of our child care programs, George's pre-K classes and CAPS families served by DECAL. But um, I guess anyone can get involved. We mentioned uh, the ages. Where, where do they go to actually make their entry? They can go to pathtocollege529.com. That's path with the number two, college529.com forward slash dream. Or they can just go to our homepage, pathtocollege529.com, and there's a link that will take them to the submission page. 
And uh, the deadline is when? The deadline will be midnight, March 15th. No Ides of March jokes here, please. <laughs> and, um, and then shortly after the deadline, the judges will meet and then we'll go through the process of judging the winners. And this year, we're going to have a, at least one winner from each of four regions in the state of Georgia and have the opportunity for up to eight total winners. Uh, we could find that we could have two really good from a region and we don't want that to, to uh, for those, those, those people that would finish second to miss out an opportunity uh, to win. So right. we will go through that process and hopefully we'll be able to announce the winners in two or three weeks. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to that and uh, hearing about the big dreams that are out there. I think we could all use some encouragement and inspiration uh, from our kids and uh, the dreams that they have, despite kind of the challenges that we're facing in uh, this current COVID-19 situation. Mitch, every every time we have you on, we like to talk a little bit about the big idea behind Paths to College 529 and why parents uh, should get involved uh, early on. Tell us about that. Well, Path to College 529 plan is the state's uh, official college savings plan, and it's designed to help families save for college. Path to College is the only college savings plan in Georgia where you can get up to an $8,000 state income tax deduction. And here's a very important part. That's per year per beneficiary. And then any earnings that, that you have in the plan, they grow state and federal tax income tax free. And when you take the money out and use it on a qualified education expense, then the money comes out free from any state or federal income taxes. Hmm. Now, a qualified education expense includes tuition, room and board, books, fees. At the beginning, we had a challenge. Everybody said, my child's going to to college on hope, not realizing necessarily that there's a lot of costs associated with going to college more than just tuition. So um, it can be used with in, and help scholarship and helping to pay for room and board, books, fees, those other costs that that um, Hope does not pay for. And you can use the funds at practically any two-year or four-year institution in the United States, whether it's a public school or a private school. So we all know that today many careers require some form of college education and the cost of attending is getting higher. So the earlier you start, the more you're going to have available that, will, that can minimize any student debt. Um, and Reg, another little important fact is that we have some studies that have shown us that a child that actually has a college savings account is seven times more likely to actually attend college, regardless of the amount saved. So it changes the mindset that they are going to college, there's resources there. And so I like to say that today is the best day to start saving. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they have a tangible reminder that college is on the horizon and in their future. That's great to know. Are, are you seeing more people interested in taking advantage of uh, this kind of program? Yes, actually, 2020, as bad as it was in many aspects, are challenging, I guess I should say, for, for many people. It was a great year for Path to College and especially for Georgia families. We had a record number of contributions and also new accounts opened. And we are getting very close to 200,000 students in Georgia who are using a Path to College 529 savings plan to get ready for college. And we have over $4 billion saved. Uh, $1.3 billion has already been used to help students pay for college expenses. That's great. 
Well, um, great news and always good to hear from uh, Path to College 529. Where can folks go for more information on, uh, on the savings plan? If the best place to go is to our website, Path to College 529 plan, and there they can look at all the benefits of having a 529. You can open an account usually in less than 15 minutes. Um, so we've tried to put the information out there to see if this is a good plan that can be used for you and saving for your loved one. Fantastic. All right. Well, Mitch, always great to have you with us. Uh, it is called the My Life's Dream uh, Challenge, and uh, we're going to hear from all kinds of folks. We want you to take advantage of this great opportunity to get your savings plan started uh, for your child in a very creative way. And uh, Mitch, we'll have to have you back uh, to tell us all about the winners. Oh, that'd be great. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Reg. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Jay Boyd, and I work in the pre-K division here in Ackworth. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, what's your secret to a successful work-life balance? Uh, well, Jay, that is a great question. You know, I talk a lot about the importance of work work-life balance. And I'll have to admit that uh, some days it's easier than others, but I do think it's definitely important to try to find that balance um, so you're not overloaded on either end. Um, and I think the, the biggest piece of advice I try to give to folks and try to do myself is sometimes you just have to say no and, some, and you definitely have to prioritize. And um, there are some things that can wait until the next day. Now, I get it. We're all busy. The work we do is so important. And sometimes it can't wait. Sometimes we got to work um, those extra hours um, to complete something that has to be done. But I think it's always smart to say, can this wait until tomorrow? And if it can, that's okay. Um, we're eventually going to get the work done. Um, but if not, you're going to burn out on both ends and that's never good for anybody. I was going to say, you know, working from home, um, if anything, sort of, you can be guilty of working too long oh, and, yeah, and definitely. doing too much. Um, so office hours still apply. <laughs> I think maybe we need to remind people of that. Um, but it is, it, you know, because of technology, you kind of check it and you feel for the person who's trying to get assistance. So you dive right in and it's eight o'clock at night. Right. It's hard. And it is harder working from home all the time. Um, and I've made it a habit of actually shutting my computer down. If not, I'll just come back to it, you know, every 30 minutes or something, even though I'm always looking at my phone for emails, right. but I'm just, I'll just keep coming back to it and, my husband was finally like, you know, you need to shut that down. It's like, I do, because I can do this tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Great advice. <laughs> Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize and the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers perceived. Email your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. Where is the funding for decals community impact grants coming from? Where is the funding for DECAL's Community Impact Grants coming from? Answer that question. We'll put all the correct answers together, draw out one name, and award the prize. Thanks for playing, and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to DECAL Downloads. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.